Hey, Pat. Yeah. How was that for a show today? Oh, are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. What was your favorite part? Oh, I'd be like asking me who's my favorite child. <laughs> I have asked you that. Yeah, it's there's Daniel. just too many I mean, choices. Oh, well, I, I love them all equally. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's, that's what right. it is. That's what it was. <laughs> uh, today, I am back from vacation and a lot to say. Um, and we begin with this uh, really dangerous stuff coming from Visa, American Express, and MasterCard on guns. Nothing to see here. No no worries. We start the podcast here in just a second. First, gold line. A ton of Americans still don't know that it's possible to use your retirement account to qu- acquire precious metals. May I suggest that you do that? You could be saving up for retirement and building a protective wall against inflation and other sorts of economic insanity that do pop up from time to time. It's a really big deal and it's something to call gold line with to help you out right now. Been working with Goldline for over a decade, almost two, I think. And that's because I trust them. I was a client of theirs before they ever were doing commercials on my show. I did my own homework. I suggest that you do your own homework. Contact Goldline today. Tell them that Glenn sent you from the podcast and give Goldline the code MYB, which represents the Mind Your Business Silver Bars. They'll give you just as a thank you for calling in. They also have some incredible deals that are happening only this week. So, Call them, get information, goldline.com or 866-GOLDLINE, 1-866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Well, welcome to the uh, program. Pat Gray is joining me, filling in for the Vacationing Now Stu Bergier. I think there's only like four mm. weeks a year we're all in together. <laughs> uh, Seems that way, yeah. yeah. Um, I have been um, on vacation. My wife's 50th birthday was happening uh, a couple of weeks ago, and so I took her uh, to Italy. And uh, I, I learned an awful lot while I was gone. Uh, and I'll explain what matters to you coming up in about an hour from now. This is a very important development that I want to talk to you about right now, um, and it is part of ESG. Visa Inc. said over the weekend that it plans to start separately categorizing sales at gun shops. The move is considered to be a major victory for gun control advocates who claim that the better tracking of gun sales may help prevent future mass shootings. Other major payment processors, including MasterCard and American Express, have also said they plan to move forward with categorizing gun shop sales. Now, this is really important that you listen. Visa said it would adopt the new International Organization for Standardization, ISO, the new merchant code for gun sales. Until now, gun store sales were considered general merchandise. The code would show where an individual spends money, but not what items were purchased. 
MasterCard said that following the ISO's approval of the new merchant code, we now turn our focus to how it will be implemented by merchants and their banks as we continue to support lawful purchases on our network while protecting the privacy and decisions of individual cardholders. Merchant category codes currently exist for most type of purchases. When you buy an airline ticket or pay for your groceries, your credit card company has a special code for those retailers. It's just common sense that we have the same policies in place for gun and ammunition stores, says the New York City mayor, Eric Adams. The industry's decision to create a firearm-specific code is nothing more than a capitulation to anti-gun politicians and activists bent on eroding the rights of law-abiding Americans one transaction at a time. This is according to the spokesperson for the National Rifle Association. So which is it? No big deal or the furthering of the erosion of your rights? Well, let's go back to see if we can understand this story first. Let's trace, trace this back a few months. Where was the pressure coming from? Quote from CBS News. A group of congressional Democrats is urging credit card companies to track the, the, the uh, suspected firearm and ammunition purchases as a means to identify and stop gun crime. The letter drafted by Elizabeth Warren and uh, Congresswoman Dean of Pennsylvania and signed by over a dozen other progressive colleagues urges the CEOs of MasterCard, American Express and Visa to back the creation of a merchant category code for gun and ammunition retailers. Okay, now this is really interesting. So this didn't originate with the banks. This originated with the progressive left in Congress. The creation of a new merchant category code for gun and ammunition retail stores will be the first step. They always say this and nobody listens will be the first step towards facilitating the collection of valuable financial data that could help law enforcement in countering the financing of terrorism efforts. Now, I thought we had done all of this, oh, I don't know, about 20 years ago when we were looking into terrorists. Notice carefully what they say. The creation of a new merchant category gun uh, category code for gun and ammunition retail stores. This according to the, the congressman that signed this and the senator. The first step towards facilitating the collection of valuable financial data. Now, that's where the pressure came from. But where did this originate? Let's trace it back a little further, because there's no way Elizabeth Warren dreamt this up on her own. This initiative was first pushed by the Amalgamated Bank, Now, who's the amalgamated bank? Well, if you really kind of pay attention to this show and you watch the specials, you know who the amalgamated bank is. They are the bank owned by the world, the Workers United slash SEIU union. So it's a labor union bank, but not just any labor union bank. 
This is the bank that brought the Paris Accord financial framework to the United States financial institutions as well. They were the signers at the Paris Accords, the meetings that happened before. And other banks were like, we're not going to get involved in that. But it was the SEIU Labor Union Bank that brought it here to America and then got politicians to push and coerce and get all of the other banks to sign in on this. It was a climate credit score idea. It sounded insane back then, but it's known as ESG, and it is the industry standard now. This was the Great Reset before the Great Reset. So it was all about using banks as a pressure point mechanism to bend everyone to their climate will. This is what the amalgamated bank brought over here. That pressure point system clearly worked because now all of the banks, all of the credit cards, all of the insurance companies are on board with it now. So now this bank, along with Senator Warren and other Democratic congressmen, are applying even more pressure to go after our guns. Now they say that's just not going to happen. Let me give you this. CBS News, big scoop. The industry that sets international standards for credit card companies has decided to create a new code for the purchase of guns and ammo. Now notice, this isn't the United States government. This is an industry group, meaning the financial sector, that sets the international standards. So now we are being forced to accept international standards and the rest of the country, the rest of the world really doesn't care about guns and ammunition because they ain't got any. We are unique in the world with our Second Amendment. But now we have international standards. So we just can't go. I mean, we can't defy these international standards. Now, they say they're not going to identify the exact uh, purchase. They will uh, separate those items from the more generic category. So merchant category codes made up of four digits used across all uh, sorts of industries. And it's not supposed to reveal any individual product purchases. Credit card companies lump firearm retailers in with other outlets, classifying them as 5999, upside down. It's a five that doesn't exist. And then three sixes. Miscellaneous uh, retail stores or 5941 sporting goods stores. New code now for firearm merchants. Potentially suspicious purchasing powers could be flagged by law enforcement. Now, wait a minute. What is a suspicious purchase? This is part of the plan being pushed by Democratic candidates and the Amalgamated Bank of New York, a progressive bank. Um, This is according to CBS News now. The letter drafted by Elizabeth Warren and uh, blah, 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 came out back in June. So the congressional pressure worked. The new code has been approved, but Visa is not happy about it. Hmm. 
In a letter obtained by CBS News, sent by Visa last Wednesday in response to congressional Democrats who supported the plan, the company said, we believe asking payment networks to serve as a moral authority by deciding which legal goods can or cannot be purchased sets a dangerous precedent. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's Visa. You have this all wrong. Wait a minute. You're just categorizing. It's just numbers. You're not tracking. You're not being asked to do anything except if there's suspicious activity reported. And how, what are you turning this into? Let me read this again from Visa. We believe asking payment networks to serve as a moral authority by deciding which legal goods can or cannot be purchased such a dangerous precedent. Gee, this is almost like, well, ESG, where Visa, MasterCard, and American Express will be told by their peers and pressured, you know, guys, we can't do business with you. If you're accepting these payments, uh, you know, from gun stores, if you're actually doing business with gun stores, we can't do business with you. So is it that they're creating a national database, which I've heard, or is it what I don't hear? They're creating a separate category. That way, no matter where you go, if you're buying guns and ammunition at Walmart, I'm sorry, your credit card can't be used here for that. So they make it impossible for you to use your credit card to buy any kinds of guns. Gee, what would be next on the ESG scale? So let me go back to this letter from CBS News sent by Visa last Wednesday. We believe that asking payment networks to serve as a moral authority by deciding which legal goods can or cannot be purchased sets a dangerous precedent. We understood Amalgamated Bank's request to be justified, at least in part, as by an interest in blocking transition, uh, transactions that would fall under such a new category. And Visa's rules expressly prohibit blocking of legal transactions under an MCC. So they're saying, they're having the balls to come out. Thank you, Visa. Having the balls to come out and call a spade a spade. Look, this is what they want. They're going to block. The next step is to block all transactions for firearm or, an, or ammunition. And it will all be tracked. Oh, well, I'll just pay for it in cash. No, now there's a new little special rule here that all transactions, all transactions are going to be watched. Now, the president and CEO of Amalgamated Union Bank we all have to do our part to stop gun violence, and sometimes it starts with illegal purchases of guns and ammunition. Right. The new code will allow us to fully comply with our duty to report suspicious activity and illegal gun sales. Why are we do when you're going out and you're buying a gun as a drug dealer? Do you use your Amex Centurion card? 
This action answers the call of millions of Americans who want safety from gun violence. And are, we are proud to have led the broad coalition of advocates, shareholders, and elected officials that achieve this historic outcome. Boy, it doesn't seem like Amalgamated Bank thinks this is a small deal. Priscilla Sims Brown, she's the CEO, recently appeared on CNBC where she was asked about her efforts to push the new category code. Quote, if we did have a merchant code for gun stores, we could detect patterns that would indicate that there had been something unusual going on. So now we're not looking for individuals. We're looking for patterns. Hmm. She says all the banks will do is file a suspicious activity report, at which point it will be up to local or federal law enforcement to act on those reports. Huh. So who's doing the follow up? Where are you sending that exactly? And if that's the case, why is Visa concerned about the attempt to block transactions using these codes? This is more than just an official registration, because that's what I hear people say. Oh, you can't do that. That's a be a that'd be a that'd be a, a federal registration. No. It's worse than that. This is the Great Reset. This is, and they are openly, Visa, warning us. They didn't want to go along with it. And then suddenly they said, oh, no, wait, we misunderstand. We're fine. Where's the pressure coming from? Is it the banking industry? Is it the government or is it both? ESG and the Great Reset is the mob. It's the mob. Uh, you want some protection? I don't know if I can. Uh, I don't know if I can protect you. You know, you a lot of a lot of guys want to do you in. Uh, you know, you don't you don't want to come and be play on our side. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I just ask you for this one small favor. That's all I ask you. And then we can protect you. That is what's happening. All right. Um, Nat. Hi, Pat. Hi, Glenn. Yeah, that was, that was happy. Yeah, it's happy stuff. Well, it's have happy you heard stuff that? every day, though. Have you heard that explanation of it yet? No. Yeah. No. Have you even heard that Visa was like, uh, I know, warning, warning, warning. No. And then all of a sudden, no, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Visa is fine. <laughs> I just left their house. Now they've, they've had a couple of broken legs. They were in uh, some sort of an accident. One of them fell out of a window, but uh, they're fine now. <laughs> That's what happens in Russia all the time, too. All the time. Yeah, oligarchs falling out windows. Yeah. Wow, are they yeah. clumsy. Yeah. Wow. It's weird. weird. It's weird. It really is. Yeah. It's almost like... Stay away from the window. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. What was that yeah. movie? The Calls Coming From Inside <laughs> the House. Yeah, that's what I think we should probably remember. listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. This is the Glenn Beck program. So 
Welcome to the program and welcome back. I've been gone. If you didn't know, I've been gone for about a week and I have a real clear perspective on uh, the next chapter of of our lives together. Um, And it's good. And we have to focus on that because I do believe we're running out of time and things are being set into place that are really dangerous, very, very dangerous. Um, Visa just last Wednesday said, no, we can't implement these things, you know, and make uh, gun sales or ammunition sales a separate category because, you know, we can't be the moral authority that decides to ban things. That's got to come from government. Well, then they changed their mind. Now, I don't know what happened. I'm sure they just they went to sleep and nobody called. Nobody threatened. Nobody did anything. They just Mr. Visa. I mean, he puts his pants on just like you. And he went to sleep in his enormous bed. And then Mr. Visa got up and said, you know what? I've completely changed my mind. I know I read an open letter to the government saying that we can't do this, but I've had a really good night's sleep. And so now I'd like to reverse myself. Uh, There's some things that are going on that are are really bad. And we have two ways to that we could deal with it. Can we play the second clip from uh, 2009, my Fox show introducing the the 912 project? I want you to listen to a specific part of this. Go ahead, please. Meanwhile, over 4 million friends and neighbors have lost their jobs in the last four months alone. Names that we always thought described American strength at stocks that are now worth less than a frappuccino. And we're all told they're just too big to fail. Yet 70% of all jobs are created by the small businessman and nobody seems to even notice him. What happened to the country that loved the underdog and stood up for the little guy? What happened? to the voice of the forgotten man. The forgotten man is you. The voice that no one seems to hear just quietly saying, enforce the law. Take responsibility for yourself. You can't have it all. And anybody who promised you that was a liar. The current economic downturn. Worst economic crisis. Worst month of job loss. But something is happening in America. Paradigm is about to change. Your friends and neighbors, Republicans, Democrats, Independents, they're all beginning to wake up and wonder, how did this happen to us? Hmm. September 11th, 2001. We came together and we promised ourselves that we would never forget. On September 12th, and for a short time after that, we really promised ourselves that we would focus on the things that were important. Our family, our friends, the eternal principles that allowed America to become the world's beacon of freedom. I can hear you, the rest of the world hears you, and the people... So once again, America has a choice. Tonight, we can choose to be the Americans of September 10th with our heads buried in the sand. We could be the Americans of September 11th who were unprepared and then paralyzed by fear, despair, or anger. Or we could choose to renew the promise that we all made to ourselves 
by the end of this hour, you will be asked once again, choose. So it's interesting to me. This is this is right after 2008 when the economy collapsed and the the country went in a direction it had never gone in before. And that was bail out the big guys. They said these banks were just had grown to be too big. Then they were too big to fail. Well, if that was true, then why are there fewer smaller banks now and more? These big banks have only gotten bigger. That obviously isn't true that they thought that the that they were too big to fail. They wanted the small guy to fail. So they put all of their our tax money into the banking system, into insurance companies, into investment tools and businesses because they could not fail. And we bought it. But you can't play the same card twice. So when 2020 came around, they shut everything down and they didn't say it's too big to fail. What they said was, you're too small to be able to make a difference. So we'll keep certain national businesses open. But the result was the same. What happened? The little guy was crushed and the big guys who behind the scenes are playing all of the games that the government wants them to play. They get saved again. So you've had this game played on you twice. I'm not sure what game is going to be played uh, or what the presentation is going to be the next time. But there will be another one and it will happen soon and it will be the same thing. We're just trying to protect the system. And uh, so we have to do this. And who will pay the price? Who will receive the punishment? Who will lose their rights? You, the little guy. If you don't think it can happen, then explain 2008 and 2020. Same people, same result. Notice that I said back on that thing, the same thing that we are saying today. Will someone enforce the law? That was the first thing I led with. Isn't that weird? Will someone enforce the law? You have to pay for your own mistakes. You can't force me to do things. And the government is growing out of control. The last time we were here, we tried to solve this politically. And we saw how fast everything could become corrupt. We, we elected really good leaders, we thought. And then they went to Washington and they betrayed us. Which led to Donald Trump, who didn't betray, was the only guy that has actually done what he said he would do during his first election. He did it. And that's why he had to be removed, because he wouldn't play the game. But who loses? Again, you, the little guy, because we're playing their game. They set it up. They set the rules. I didn't know it at the time, but the 912 project, um, I thought, would play a big role. And it did in some ways. I think it tempered things. 
I think it changed the course of a lot of people's life when we were doing it. But I didn't lead it. I didn't want to. This had to be led by you. And when I introduced this 11 years ago now, I just called on you to unite and bring back that feeling that is all but gone this September 12th, today, the 912 Project, a time where we didn't care who you voted for. We didn't care what you believed. We stopped people in the street and strangers and asked them, are you okay? That's our highest self. But our highest self is not reached just because uh, we're born that way. We're not born that way. Natural man is the enemy of God. Natural man is about my stuff. Natural man is about protection and fear. Natural man is very unlike a child. Christ said, come to me as a child. Well, think about that. You have to be taught to hate, to be suspect, to worry about somebody's color of their skin. Kids don't ever think that. When you grow up, you're taught that, and we look for things that are different. It's actually a life-saving mechanism. We look for things that are out of place, whether we know it or not, things that are unlike what we know. Danger. That's in us as a species. We are, we're an animal. Animals do that. Our higher self has to be worked on. I laid out nine principles and 12 values. Nine, 12. See if these still ring true to you. The nine principles. America is good. We may have made our own mistakes. We may have gone bad. But for the most part, America is good. I have told you in the past that if we do not change this course, we are going to make the Nazis look like rookies. We will. We will. And it could be our side just as easily as the other side. If we don't pay attention. America is good and she's good. She's good when she cares. When we care about each other. Second principle is I believe in God and he's the center of my life. Do we believe that anymore? As a nation, do we even believe that? Third principle is I will try. I must always try to be more honest than I was yesterday. I put that in there because I knew honesty and integrity is a muscle that you have to exercise. Can you be more honest than you were yesterday? The answer is yes. Four, listen to this one. The family is sacred. My spouse and I are the ultimate authority, not the government. 
Five, if you break the law, you pay the penalty. Justice is blind, and no one is above it. Six, I have a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, but there is no guarantee of equal results. Seven, I work hard for what I have, and I will share it with who I want to share it. Government cannot force me to be charitable. That is not charity. Eight, it's not un-American for me to disagree with authority or to share my personal opinion. And nine, the government works for me. I don't work for them. They answer to me. Those were the things that we said we really needed to center our life around. Those are the things that if we could, as people who disagree on a lot of things, could just come around these ideas, we would be better off. But it required us to have certain values to be able to actually execute those things. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. I've had Frank Siller on the program, I think a couple of times before, I think it was uh, November 11th, uh, in 21 that we last spoke on the air, uh, just full disclosure, uh, he runs the Tunnel to, for Towers uh, Foundation, Tunnel to Towers Foundation, and uh, they are a sponsor on this program, but that's not why I'm having uh, Frank on. I, I thought it was appropriate just to pause just for a second today and remember 9-11 uh, and let him do it because 9-11 changed his life. And in that change, he has changed so many people's lives. Welcome, Frank. How are you? Uh, Glenn, thanks for having me on again, and I, I appreciate it. And you're right. Uh, 9-11 uh, did change my life, and it changed the world, like you said before in your introduction before. And for someone to compare <laughs> January 6th to 9-11... It just uh, speaks volumes of how out of touch a lot of Americans are. Um, we lost 2,977 souls on September 11th, 2001. It changed our, our way that we live every single day, our security. When you, like you just said, as far as just flying uh, is, is different, but there's so much more than that. And um, the truth of the matter is it changed the whole world. And for not to teach it in schools is actually disgusting. Hmm. And we're not going to let it happen. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation, you know, we started the 9-11 Institute where we have a full curriculum for students K through 9. And you can download it. You go to T2T.org. You can download it. You know, different teachers can download it. Schools can download it. But you know what? Most importantly, parents can download it to make sure you're teaching it correctly in your own household because it up it is up to us as parents to make sure we tell the story so before we go any uh, further on that could you just tell the story of of the beginnings what happened and how t2t tunnel to towers started and why your brother yes and thank you for asking that because anytime i get an opportunity to talk about my brother who was the youngest of seven kids and he was a lot younger than all of us uh, is always an honor. 
So Stephen, New York City firefighter, was just finished his night tour at Squad One in Brooklyn, which is an elite squad uh, that uh, the elite firefighter squad. Anyway, he was on his way home to play golf with me and my brothers, and he heard on his radio scanner that the tower was hit. And he turned his truck around, went back to his firehouse. His, his company had already responded by the time he got back. So he put his gear in his truck, drove to the mouth of the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. And for those listeners that don't know, that tunnel connects Brooklyn with downtown Manhattan. When you come out of that tunnel, it's about a half a mile or so from ground zero. Stephen uh, drove to the mouth of the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. It was closed for security reasons. Uh, cars were abandoned. People were running out mm. away from the what what was. They didn't even know the buildings hadn't even fallen yet. But anyway, Stephen strapped sixty pounds of gear on his back and uh, ran through that tunnel, which is almost two miles long, up West Street into the South Tower, up the stairs, and while saving others, he gave up his life. And when the his uh, siblings, myself, my other. It was six six of us that we said we had to do something to honor not just what he did, but so many acts of heroism that day, and that's why we started the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. You were one of the I think you are the best example of somebody who said, This I'm never gonna forget, this changed my life, and then you did it, uh, and you're still doing it. And now Tunnel to Towers is a a monster organization that does so much good um and you've added now the 9-11 institute explain what you're going to be doing with this and what it is well you know we're we're blessed you know so glenn you you're correct we do a lot of things we're going to always take care of our country's most catastrophically injured service members we're going to build them you know smart homes mortgage free if you're a gold star widow or a fallen first responder widow and your husband or your loved one died in the line of duty and you leave behind a young family, we're going to deliver you a mortgage-free home. If you don't have it, we're going to build it. And if you do have it, we're going to pay off your mortgage. But our first responsibility is to make sure that we never forget. That's when we started the foundation. We said, first responsibility, never forget and honor the sacrifice. Now, we honor the sacrifice by doing good and doing all this beautiful work that we're doing. And the reason why we're successful, Glenn, is because so many people are joining us on our mission because they see who we're helping, the greatest of all yeah. Americans, those who are willing to die for you and I. But there's a whole generation that's not being taught, you know, what happened 21 years ago. And, you know, I need my children to teach their children so their children could teach their children on what happened because, number one, it's a story that has to be told. And number two, we don't want it to happen again. Or maybe number two is number one. We don't want it to happen mm. again, uh, for sure. So you got to tell the whole truth and nothing but the whole truth that Islamic terrorists killed 2,977 Americans. They try to kill as many as possible. There's thousands have died since of 9-11 related cancers. The people that would crawl in in that rubble through bent steel looking for my brother, their brother's still paying a price for it to, to this day, dying of 9-11 illnesses, many of which is rare forms of, of cancer. And the 7,000 men and women who went to war to protect us so we didn't have another 9-11 here on our soil gave up their lives for our country. We better take care of those families that are left behind. And that's what we do with the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. We made a promise 
and so many people are joining us on that promise. So you have an 83-foot tractor trailer uh, that is an interactive exhibit. It, you know, the walls open up, et cetera, et cetera. It, it's full of facts, but also 9-11 artifacts. What, what is in the truck? Well, 9-11 steel, uh, different clothing, stories, helmets, uh, different apparatuses that firefighters and police officers were using that day. And, but mm. most importantly, the stories that go along with it. Uh, it's incredible. And who's telling the stories is incredible because these are my firefighter buddies. Every one of them I basically know, many of them at a very personal level that go around with this exhibit and they tell the story of 9-11. And we have a speakers bureau that we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of volunteers, firefighters and police officers who lived in the first battle on the war on terror down at Ground Zero were there that day who will tell the stories of 9-11. So if you're a school or in a community and you need somebody to come in and tell the story of 9-11, we have a speakers bureau. All you have to do, once again, go to t2t.org. It's, the information's there. You can request somebody to do it in person or virtually. And uh, we're going to make sure we continually get the story out of, of 9-11 and all the hero stories. And where is uh, the so, where's the Never Forget Mobile exhibit? Where is that going? And, or how do you get it to come to your town? Or Once again, go to t2t.org and request it. And, and so... Um, where we have it, uh, it's all over the United States. <laughs> it's, it's, I think it's in Arizona today, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Uh, but it's all over uh, the United States. And uh, we've been doing, we've been having the mobile uh, exhibit we've been using for years. Uh, but we have not had the Speakers Bureau uh, ever really before. And now, of course, with the, uh, the Tunnel of the Towers 9-11 Institute, we rolled out this week. We've been playing it for years. But we have uh, we we really have put together a comprehensive uh, curriculum. What that we're and, really really proud of. And it's also you rolled out the uh, financial scholarships to children of the the program. How how yes. that you just outlined that uh, this weekend? Did you not? Just well, yes. Unrolled well, that. that? That's, those scholarships will go to the families that we're helping. Um, if for that prepare, preparing to go into college. And it's named after my other brother, not the brother that ran through the tunnel, but my oldest brother, Russ, who died a couple of years ago, had a battle with Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. And um, he was our spiritual leader at the foundation. Uh, he brought many uh, things to us that keeps us on the right spiritual road to make all the decisions uh, that we have. And he was the one, because my, my youngest brother, Stephen, the firefighter who died in 9-11, our parents died when he, by the time he was 10 years old. My brother Russ uh, really was like a second father to him. I mean, we all were. We all played a major role in his upbringing. And my sisters were like second mothers uh, to, to, my, to my brother. Um, but my brother Russ, so we named the scholarship after uh, my brother Russell Sola. Frank Siller, a name that I think most Americans don't know but should. Um, he is the uh, chairman and CEO uh, of Tunnel to Towers Foundation, and I urge you to go to t2t.org, see if you can help, see if you can get involved, but get the curriculum and start teaching it to your children. Get it into your private schools. You know, get it into your public school if you can. Um, you know, that would be a real blessing, but I, I you know, <laughs> good luck with that. Um, 
Frank, thank you for everything that you do. Thank you very much. And remember, $11 a month, that's what we ask for, $11 a month. They can really make a tremendous difference in all these great heroes, families that are left behind who died for you and I. So thanks for having me on today, Glenn. God bless. Bye-bye. Na, 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 na.